Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's the show that would like to wish every mum out there a lovely day for this Sunday. As the saying goes, mothers don't sleep, they just worry with their eyes closed. Mum's a race and you're appreciating more than it's possible to articulate. Right then, now that I've saved myself a tenner's worth of flowers from Tesco, we can get on with the show. But this week focuses on a tricky trip to the capital to face an informed relegation battler. We'll also be doffing our cap to a player who's bang on it right now. And, if time permits, we'll also take a, a glance down south to a derby that almost always ends in a draw. To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by two 9320 favourites in the form of Yannicka and Harry. Hi, Yann. You well? Hi, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm all good, thank you. Yeah, it's nice and sunny today. What about where you are? Um, Yeah, it's kind of sunny. I don't know if it's warm or not. <laughs> not been uh, outside. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I hate being cold, mate. Uh, Harry, you okay, mate? Hi mate, yeah, thanks for inviting me back on again. I'm glad to have you, man. You got a, a busy weekend ahead? Um, No, not really. If you can get out of the house, it was really, really stormy here the other day, so it looks mm. a bit better today, but if, if I can get out, yeah, I'll do bits, but nothing much. Well, I'm in Wales and they've changed it all around um, today. I still don't know the full extent <laughs> of what it is. Um, I just know my wife's going back to work on Monday and apparently four people can now congregate in back gardens. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Um, right, let's start with something I'm sure was discussed on yesterday's pod. Uh, I'm afraid I didn't get a chance to get around to listening to it, but it would be a somewhat of an oversight if it wasn't mentioned. But I want to get your guys' take on it on the Phil Foden non-penalty for Southampton. Um, Jan, when you saw it, were you like me where, in real time, as the game carried on, you, you assumed, right, well, it's going to get pulled back for a pen. This is a bonus Stage of play, if we score here, great. If not, we've got a guaranteed pen here. Do you know what? Like, I've seen that scenario so many times. You know, the player's one-on-one with the keeper. The keeper puts a foot in or, or I don't know, any any part of their body. And it's a pen yeah. every single time. It's That is a stonewaller. There was no sort of debate there. He, he, um, he takes him out. <laughs> And it hit like it's not like one of them where it's like, oh, did he, did he not? Or he tries to pull out. It wasn't one of them. So to me, I'm just baffled still why that was not given. Um, I think the fact that players are sort of seen as if they go, if they don't go down, they're not going to get anything sends the wrong message because now every time Phil Foden is in the box and there's contact, he's going to have to dive. Because mm. <laughs> clearly staying on your feet is is not, you know, is you're not benefiting from that. So it's a, it's a bad, I think, because their penalty in the game was was soft. Yes. So yeah. it's not like he didn't give any penalties that game, and it was a ref who you know doesn't really like penalties. Like he gave a very soft penalty, and then the stonewaller, he just kind of brushed off, and you know, it's it's not sending the right message to the players. Um, by not giving that, I think it's a really good point you make about the keeper. It wasn't exact. It wasn't an example of a keeper trying to pull out the challenge. You know, you yeah. see those and you think, "Ah, oh, that's kind of valid as a pen, but it's unfortunate." You know, he's trying to back out of that. I mean, this was a reckless, panicked challenge from his yeah. own mistake. So, in that instance, you know, it's a dangerous challenge. It's a, it's a red card for one thing. Yeah, um, Harry, how do you feel about? the role that VAR played in this. I mean, my theory, right or wrong, I think that if it wasn't any VAR, that would have been given. 
But the ref, because he was some way behind play, thought, right, well, we'll just let play continue and then basically let VAR decide. And then VAR, which has actually been introduced to cut out these mistakes, makes the mistake. Um, do you feel the same way? Do you, do you think that basically VAR interfered in this decision? Well, I was I, I was kind of anti-VAR a long time before this, but this kind of just amplified how, how rubbish it is. I mean, if he's not give, seen that decision because of his of his poor positioning, surely it's it's on them to see that it was a clear and obvious error that he's missed it. Because I'm pretty sure the explanation was that John Moss fought the keeper, got a touch on the ball. So that is a clear and obvious error because you can quite clearly see Phil Fallen touches away. But I think everything that needs to be said has been said about it, to be honest. It's mm. kind of completely farcical. Begs a question, actually. What would it take for it to be completely abolished? Is it, you know, it's not a good look when like, current players, I saw James Madison coming out and complaining about it again. Yeah. Um, Ex-refs complaining about it. I just, I just played and simply don't see what VAR sees. I just don't see it. And I mean, ask me this on Wednesday night and you've got probably a bit more of an angry response. But... <laughs> It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's inconsistencies as well. I don't know if any of you have watched any Champions League midweek, but the, the two penalties that were given in the, the Barcelona game and the, the penalty that was given in the Brushy Dortmund game were for much less contact. And yeah. I just, oh, it's just, it's just, I don't get it. I really don't understand it at this point. But if the managers like Pep Guardiola are not understanding it, then God, I've got no chance, honestly. Jan, are you against VAR? <laughs> or pro-VAR and believe that it's down to the incompetence of the people who are running VAR. Um, Where do you you stand on the whole thing? Do you know what? When they said they were going to introduce it, I was like, great, this is finally something that's going to help teams when the referee, you know, is a bit biased or, you know, just terrible. (laughs) But it's just, they're just not doing that. Like, it's almost match-fixing at this point. Like, they're deciding when and where they want to give things. They're giving something one week. And then exactly the same thing happens um, the next week and it's not given. We've even seen it in one day where there's been two <laughs> exactly the same challenges and one was given and one wasn't. And it's just, it's too inconsistent. And I think, you know, a lot of people do say, oh, it's not, it's not VAR, it's, it's the people controlling it, which I do agree with because obviously the technology can't be blamed. It's the referees behind it. And I, I just think the the referees in this country aren't great anyway. There's a reason why they don't make the top World Cup yes. matches and stuff like that. Yeah. And I just think, I don't know, it's it's almost like match fixing when you look at some of these games and the decisions that they make. Um, and I just think it's supposed to be improving the game, but it's just making it worse. You can't celebrate a goal anymore because you've got to wait a few minutes to find out if it's a goal. And it's just, I'd rather they scrapped it and we just go back to how it used to be where the ref might make a mistake and it is what it is. Because um, yeah. I just think it's just ruined goal celebrations, you know. That Cancelo goal earlier in the season, it's like you want to celebrate it, but because of that, you can't. Because Sean Massey put a flag up, you can't even celebrate it. And then it's like, oh yeah, it's given. And it's kind of after the event, you know. So yeah, I don't know. It ruins the game but- for me. But look again, look, we've scored five goals. We've had a brilliant performance. And what's the first thing we're talking yeah, about again? Yeah. Officials. It's it's supposed to have cut this comp- official talk completely out. But if anything, it's only increasing it. It's, it. I do completely agree. It's the people running behind it. They're just, 
they're not good at, the technology is just the cameras showing you what's going on but the people behind there are just completely and utterly useless well Harry on that note do you think I mean there's no consolation for City whatsoever this but do you think there will be discussions had this week regarding that, that decision do, do you think that you know because I remember seeing a documentary with um, I think Gary Neville did it where they basically hung around with loads of refs and yeah. saw what went on behind the scenes you know all the, the chat that went on so if a ref made a mistake on a Saturday him and his yeah. colleagues would really kind of you know talk about that week and say how can we resolve this? Surely this can't happen again now after what we've seen last week. Mm. Well, this is what I said before, isn't it? Like, what's it going to take for him to to completely sit down and yeah. get people's opinions on it? If if players and ex pundits and ex players, sorry, and ex referees are coming out and complaining about it, and it's quite obvious to see that they're making bad decisions I, I don't I'm I just I'm, the question is what would it take would it take uh, the, the football clubs complaining against it would it take uh, decisions from higher up I don't, I'm not sure what it would take but it does need to be discussed whether they've got the bottle to, to sit down and discuss and talk about where they're going wrong rather than constantly getting referees on televisions and defending farcical decisions I don't know yeah Okay, well, let's um, look ahead rather than um, buying because I can honestly say I've, I don't remember being that furious at a decision. Uh, <laughs> no. Not for a long time. I mean, the, the Sterling one when that was ruled out against Spurs, but that was 80% of that was, you know, disappointment, mm. not anger. This was Well, you were there as well. Well, when you're there as well, you, yeah. you you have no idea. But when you're watching it on TV, it's kind of amplified. You're like, oh yeah. my god, like how? What have they seen? What have they seen there? I don't. I really, it's, honestly, it was the most baffling decision I've ever seen in my life. And, well, as for Andy Hinchcliffe, uh, and, and you know, oh. City fans get hung up on the fact that he's a former blue, and I get that. Of course, it's relevant. But you know, he's he's been long time retired now, and he's just a pundit now, and mm. um, and he's like this with every club. He is negative across the board. But what the hell was he playing at? That was a nightmare he had. I mean, you can tell that Martin Tyler, essentially, I, I get the feeling Martin Tyler's a nice guy. I don't, you know, there's a lot I don't like about him as regards to his commentary with City. But as a person, he's a nice guy. I think Martin Tyler basically fell on his sword to help out a colleague there and just kind of said, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're, was there a touch? Oh, we're not sure about that. Because if I'd been Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher even, they would have been up in arms. Tyler would have been jumping in as well. And Sky would have been lambasting that decision. But Hinchcliffe saying, was there a touch? Oh, I'm not sure. Wow. I guess, again, it's the constant need to defend the refs. I don't understand why they need to do it. Just say mm. it's a wrong decision. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's, let's look ahead because my blood pressure is growing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fulham, a lovely Fulham. And a ground I've never been to and a ground I wish I was going to this weekend to watch some live football. Um City at Craven Cottage, where Fulham have lost only twice in the last 10 games and have the best defensive record of anyone in the bottom half. How big a threat do they pose, yeah? Do you know what? Like, this is a game that I'm like a a little bit... I'm not worried because obviously where we are in the league, but yeah, I think it's going to be quite a hard test for us. Mm. Um, That being said, every time you kind of think that, City just, (laughs) you know, come and shock us, so... I don't know. I think like I'd I'd expect us to win simply because it's Fulham. Um, but yeah, they they are a decent team, and I actually do want them to stay up. Yeah, similar. That yeah. you know they're a team of young players. Obviously, Tassin's in the squad. So yeah, I think I'd I'd quite like them to stay up. Hopefully, that's not by beating us. But you know, I think they did well against Liverpool. 
they defend well. So it's just, I think it will depend on how clinical we are. Um, because if we're not clinical and they are, you know, we could be in trouble. Because I think our defence looked very, very, very strong. And in the last couple of games, it hasn't looked so strong. So yeah. I think we just need to defend well and take our chances when we get them. Um, but I don't think it'll be, if we do win, I think it'll be like a 2-1. I think it'll be quite a close game. So, yeah, I think, I can't remember. I think last last time we played there, it was like 2-1 or something. Yeah. It wasn't a big win then either. So, yeah, I can see sort of the same. A tight game and hopefully City just edge it. Well, you mentioned there about the defence kind of, you know, not looking as watertight as it so recently yeah. was. Harry, is that because Pep has kind of gone back to basically alternating every game now with a centre-back pairing? I mean, it's no coincidence, surely, that, what was it, for about 10 games he played Stones and Diaz, yeah. and for 10 games we conceded one goal against Chelsea. Now it's kind of Laporte comes in, and, and they're just swapping and changing again. Mm. It's an interesting t- debate to have actually because I, I'm not I'm not quite sure because you know both Stones, Diaz, and Laporte are a, are quality players, but mm. we've seen the partnership Diaz and and Stones struck up. Um, whether Laporte would have struck up that partnership, he would have been fit with Diaz. We don't know, but it's all about partnerships. I think at the, the centre of defence, Liverpool's troubles in defence have been because they've had 18, 19 different centre back partnerships. So if City are constantly over rotating, then uh, then that might happen. But I, I don't I don't buy into it only because we know the quality that Laporte has. So like him coming in isn't like a detriment to the team. I feel horrible saying that because he's been our best centre half for the last couple of years. Mm. Um, but no, nah, the, the over the over rotation it could be, but I, I can't see it personally. Well, Pepper said he plans to rotate a lot less um, because yeah. the games are thinning out now. But with a crucial Champions League game three days later after Fulham. Um, Jan, do you expect to see lots of changes um, from what you know, the team we saw against Southampton? Yeah, I think he'll kind of go back to sort of more the squad that played against Man United. I actually think he got it the wrong way around. I think he should have played Fernandinho yeah. and a false nine against Man United. That's what I said before the game. Yeah. And I think if he plays that, I don't think we lose. Because um, Fernandinho is our best player at stopping counter-attacks. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. as good as Rodri has been, um, it's just in terms of Man United, I would have always played Fernandinho. Plus, you know, for a derby, you want the most passionate players. And Fernandinho, Phil Foden, you know, they would have been well up for a derby. So, yeah, I think he made a little bit of a mistake in terms of the lineup against Man United. Um, Southampton obviously changed it around and did play that team. And, you know, I've... I think it works. I think the false nine works. So I don't think he'll play that against Fulham. I think he'll go with Gabby again. Um, or maybe even Aguero. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem to favour Aguero at the moment. So I don't know who we're going to see. Um, but yeah, I think I think he'll go back to the same lineup against Man United. Maybe with one or two changes to that. But I think how many changes made seven or something made quite a few. Yeah. Um, in Southampton, so I think he'll he'll go he'll rotate again. Well, you'd expect Sterling to come back in, um, yeah. but I mean, you make a really good point about kind of Aguero and and where he fits into this. Harry, where do you see Aguero fitting in this weekend on the bench again? Do you think Gabby will um, start? Well, we've seen in the last couple of weeks that that. 
that meet Riyad Mahrez is a, a certain starter. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne obviously seems a certain starter. So then you've got you've got four positions between Foden, Bernardo, Gundogan, Raheem, Gabriel, Sergio and Ferran Torres. So you kind of take your pick from them. There's it's a few. Bad, is it? so it's, not, no, it's not bad. It's not bad, but it is how you fit them in because yeah. you'd expect Raz to come back in, but then can you drop Foden after a performance like that? We've seen the importance of Bernardo probably highlighted more in the derby more than midweek how much we missed his energy. Gundogan's been in fantastic form, so does that leave space for Raz? I, I don't know. It depends when he wants to start this rotation, but then I could equally see him bringing Jesus back in as well. Um, with the Aguero thing, it's so incredibly difficult to predict what they want from him. You know, I think I wasn't the only one completely willing him to take that ball down that was played through and smash it yes. into the back of net the other night. Yeah. Um, but for me, for me, Phil has got to stay in. So if that means sacrificing like Raz on that side, then then so be it. But yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult to predict at the moment because we've got a few lads that are in really good form. Yeah, I mean, it's, we have got kind of good problems, haven't we, when, when you compare us to other teams and the injury problems they have. Um, yep. You know, we've got an abundance of options there. Um, just just staying with, with Sergio, Jan, um, as prolific as he's been, as experienced as he is, how, how you know, <laughs> confident in his ability he is, he needs a goal, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I've, do you know what? I need him to score so badly. Every time he plays, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Someone give him a tap in. Because you know we have them chances where it's literally like you can't miss. Yeah. It's like give him one of them and then I think he'll he'll get back to his best. I think I always say with Aguero, every time he's been out for a period of time, it does take him three or four games to get back to his best. Yeah. Um he might even score in that three or four games, but he's not at his best. So I I feel like Pep needs to play him. Um I do kind of agree with Pep in what he said. You know, the the games are like high risk at the moment. So you can't really afford to play an out of form, Sergio. Um, because if we lose the game, it's gonna be, oh, why did you just play Aguero? You know, so I think I think in that derby he should have just put him on earlier, especially when he went 2 0. Because you could see we weren't gonna win that game. So he should have just played him and then I think out of everyone, Aguero would have had more of a chance of getting a goal. So, yeah, I think he has missed a few opportunities, but I think now that the league is kind of... It's it's kind of secure now, I'd say. Oh, don't um, say that. We've won the league, Harry, come on. Do you know what? <laughs> I, I don't like saying that myself, but I just think Man United don't look great, to be honest. Um, so if, if they were like the Man United of old, then I'd be saying, oh, it's not done, but... Do you know what? It isn't done yet mathematically, but I think <laughs> I don't think by playing Aguero we're going to go from winning the league to not winning the league. So yeah, I'd I'd probably give him a chance now. We're at that stage now, as regards <laughs> to the title race, where I think you can be a bit cocky, a bit kind of, and say no <laughs> on Twitter we've won the league because if it all blows up in our faces and United do it, it will be so remarkable. That you know, no one could blame you for kind of being confident, you mm-hmm. know, in hindsight. So, um, yeah, we've won the league. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, gonna say, oh, Aguero, it could be a game for him because it's gonna be one of them games I think they could frustrate us, you know, no matter how bad Liverpool have been playing, keeping a clean sheet against Salah, Jota, Mane is, is hugely Ooh. impressive. They didn't really have a meaningful chance, Liverpool, either. 
Um, so it could be need to be a patient game by us, not slow, but don't be frustrated if we're not getting behind straight away. It could take, you know, a shot from the edge of the box and just that one chance uh, to score. And if Aguero's in that place at the right time, then who's more likely than him to put that in the back of the net? So, so how are you staying with that? Is that how you see the game kind of panning out? Yeah, well, I've been really impressed with Fulham going forward, to be honest. They've got a nice little combination between Luckman, Cavalero and Loftus-Cheek. It's very similar, I'd say, to the way Lingard, Antonio and Farnells cause us problems at the Etihad. They just they all kind of interlink off the front. They all kind of switch positions and they're quite good on the ball as well. The only thing I'd say was they're very, they were very wasteful with the chances at Anfield, which is alien to say. Um, but actually, probably the... Uh, the the least xg could you say chance they actually scored uh, but defensively they've, they've been sound ever since probably the turn of the new year so if they're going to sit back it's going to need a bit of patience from us maybe a, a goal from outside the box but don't force it you know i mean don't don't be frustrated if we've not gone one nil up inside 20 30 minutes just the goal will come we're good enough to to frustrate them on the edge of the box and just one little momentary lapse in competition. I mean, look at the first goal the other night, for example. Southampton were brilliant for that first 15 minutes. One momentary lapse from Bertrand and bangs Inchenko's in back across goal goal. And they're not got unless, well, if they're perfect for 90 minutes, you've just got to kind of doff your cap and just be like, well, well done, you've defended superbly. But there will be lapses in concentration. It's if we're clinical enough to to capitalise on that and, and, and score the goals when we get the chances. Well, I mean, perhaps mentioned this, hasn't he? Um, how impressed he's been with this kind of, the mentality in, in the squad right now, where if we do concede or if we do encounter kind of, you know, 25 minutes of resistance, we have the patience now to kind of gradually just carry on doing our thing. And, and he mentioned too that that'll be a, a big plus going into the Champions League games. And um, Just one word on Fulham that I want to say is, well, I, I've always liked Fulham anyway, but I love how reassuringly predictable and <laughs> how, how predictable they've been this season, how they make sense, because they were too open at first, now they're far more pragmatic. And so if you look at the results, it's loss after loss, turning into eight draws in 10 games, and now come the wins. And it, it makes sense. You know, the rest of the season <laughs> doesn't make any sense. You look at the results and you look at the form guide and of all the other clubs, Fulham makes sense, and, and I like that. It's reassuring. Um, Jan, how do you feel about an 8pm Saturday kickoff? Um, do you know what? It's different when you're not going to the game. Yeah. Because <laughs> right now, it's just like all the days are kind of, even in lockdown, all the days are kind of rolled into one. Like, I can work every day in the week, so it's not, at the moment, it's not really affecting me too much. But yeah, it's 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 different, I suppose. They've got to get every match on TV because obviously they said they'd air them all. So I think that obviously plays into it as well. But yeah, I, d- I don't know. Um, it's a bit of a strange one. This season's been a bit strange anyway. Well, quite, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't think... I'm at work anyway, so I'll have to watch it at work. So. Oh, really? <laughs> Will you be able to watch it in work? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Harry, how does it fit in with your, and I put this in the agenda, it's my most hated of phrases, your match day experience? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's horrid if you go in, because especially if it's in a way, because the travel back from yeah. them sort of games is, is horrid. Um, but at home, I don't really mind, to be honest. As you say, like... The the game it's like takes you by surprise. Like it took me surprise that the game was six o'clock yesterday. Yeah, I was just yeah, deter- yes, yeah. I was determined that it was eight o'clock. I was just like, oh, it's eight o'clock, and then <laughs> I, I got a message about the teams, and I was just like, hang on, what? Like it's six o'clock. Exactly the same thing happened to me about ten past five. I saw a tweet from Lloyd up from the pod. 
didn't we were line up and I was like, huh? How come the lineups are out already? Really surprised. No, yeah. Great, but when I'm at home, it's it's not it's not too bad. All the games kind of take me by surprise at the moment. But when you're going, when we're going back, I assume they'll scrap these sort of six p.m. Well, they got it, weren't they? Really scrap yeah. these six p.m. eight p.m. ones um, because it's just impossible to get back from, especially if you're an away fan. Yeah, it's it's just it is going to feel a bit weird, yeah. and it's not actually at the time. You know, essentially, okay, I know it's a Saturday, but it's an evening kickoff. Mm. We we're so used to them, but throughout Saturday will feel weird. Thinking, you know, City yeah. playing tonight at eight o'clock. <laughs> it's it's yeah. going to be a bit odd. But in terms of kind of the, the the game time, though, we play the day before Manchester United and Leicester play. Mm. So it just I don't know, maybe just a psychological advantage if we could win that game and go. What would it be? Would it be seventeen points clear? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We've won the league. Yeah, so We've it's won just, the league, mate. <laughs> it's like a, It's not. No, it's not that. I just remember in the eighteen nineteen season, it always felt like Liverpool were playing before us and putting yes. massive pressure on us every game in that running. So I always prefer going for. So it was like the West Ham game. You, your weekend's done by two thirty on a Saturday, and you can just enjoy your weekend. City have won. You know it doesn't matter what happens now. City have won. So maybe that could play into the to the hands of the psychological advantage of going kind of 17 points clear, but I don't know how the players think, to be honest. I mean, we'll have, they'll have two games in hand, obviously, but 17 Yeah, points. of course, yeah. Oh. they got West Ham as well, the Leicester, yeah. United, sorry, the next day, so it's not, not an easy game. Um, Jan, score prediction? Oh, yeah, I think it'll be a tight game. I think 2-1 City, I don't think it'll be... Um, I do agree with what you said before, though, about we don't seem to panic as much when we go a goal down. Um, I think, obviously, if we score the first goal, it does help. Because, obviously, at Cates Man United, we saw what happens when they score first, and it wasn't great. And the same with Cheltenham. I think we struggled a bit when they scored first. So, yeah, I think um, we need to get the first goal. But, yeah, I can see us. I think we should be winning that sort of game. And, you know, if if it goes to 1-1, I think we can win it. Yes. Whereas if they go 1-0 up, I think that's where we'll struggle. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very much the same, actually. I'm also going 2-1, and I can see it being quite a tight, kind of tense game. Um, And I predicted 5-0 against Southampton. I was nearly right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Harry, what about you? Score prediction? Um, This is the last Premier League game for three weeks, isn't it? So it just kind of puts it to bed for a little while. Uh, If we can control the counter-attacks well, I will have control of the game. Uh, could be a frustrating one, but I was going to do two one as well. So it's just to be different. I'll go. I'll go one nil, Sitter. Fair enough. Um, right, you mentioned Riyad Mahrez uh, earlier and how how much of a start he is recently. Mm. I think he started eight of the last nine league games. Um, an underwhelming first half to the season. Quite frustrating yeah. in that kind of Marezy way that he does. But boy, has he really discovered discovered his form of late. Um, what's changed, Jan? What what does he what, what, what's he doing different now to what he was di- doing before? Or is it, does it simply come down to, you know, an improvement of form and, and confidence? Do you know what with Mares? Like, I always say, he is a fantastic player. You can see that. I think at City so far, we've seen glimpses of it. So we've seen like one or two games where he absolutely shines and then maybe two or three more that he doesn't do much or he, he's not in the game. Um, I was really frustrated after that Cheltenham game because he really wasn't in that game. And I was thinking, this is Cheltenham, you know. Yeah. But since then, pretty much, he's just been really good. But I think it's due to the fact he's starting every week. 
And I've always said that he needs a run of games. He needs to play like consistently. You know, I think he's on his sixth game in a row now. If he starts at the weekend, that'll be seven. So it's just, he needs that. And I think that's why we're seeing the best of him. Um, I feel the same with Bernardo as well. Yes. I think if Bernardo plays more, he plays better. And yeah, I just think it's nice to see because I think a lot of City fans have been on his case a little bit because he's he is a frustrating player. So is Sterling, you know. So I think mm. it's one of them things. But yeah, we're seeing the best of him now. And I heard somewhere the other day he's won us 15 points. You could maybe even add another three to that because I think, <laughs> you know, that Southampton game, he scored the vital goals in that game. So yeah. Yeah, he's he's just been winning us points and I can't really fault him at the moment. <laughs> well, you think we're seeing the best of him. Um, mm. What does the best of Riyad Mahrez bring to the City side, Harry? Yeah, he's just simply been our best player in the past few weeks. Um, main thing, that he started cutting onto his right foot. I know. Which he's is brilliant. Yes. Which is brilliant, actually, because that is where he's at his best, when he's so unpredictable. He's got the ability to score such a variety of goals. I mean... I any probably normal winger would have kind of took that ball that was that that was sprayed by that Southampton player wide, but he kind of sensed the opportunity, cut inside and uh, and scored the goal. But it goes past players like they're not there sometimes. But I think his patient build up is probably the reason why he's he's been in the starting lineup a, a lot of, in the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's a surprise that Pep said. I can't remember after which game it was. It might have been West Ham. He said that we're very we're too rushed in our build up. It's not like not about being fast, but it's about being patient and not being too slow, but like picking out the right passes. And I think Mar is brilliant at that. Uh, and ever since that, he's he's played every week. But yeah, definitely, he's, he, the variety that he can bring into his game when he just doesn't cut inside on his left foot. Yeah, he's um, he's had direct involvement in goals in the league this year. Uh, every hundred twenty five minutes. Um, mm. Nine goals and four assists. Four goals and two assists in his last six appearances. Um, interestingly for me, he's really become Pep's go-to player to hug the yes. touchline. Um, like Sterling now has got a license to drift inside, as he often does. But, you know, we've seen periods where Raheem basically just stays out on the touchline. Now that that is very much Riyad. You know, he doesn't yeah. ever venture beyond that. Um and you know, that's what Pep loves to have at least one player just there, just providing width and stretching yeah. the play and and all the rest of it. Um, another interesting thing for me, because I was looking at his stats earlier, he's anything but a regular in Champions League. And I assumed he played more in the Champions League this season than he has. So for me, he's, he's a definite starter against Fulham um, and yeah. possible to miss out against um, Borussia. Do you, do you go along with that, Harry? Um. Yeah, maybe he's played a lot of games in the last couple of weeks. Could be saving him for for Everton at, in the mm. the quarter final, maybe. Um, yeah, and I think he's spot on with that that winker. He said uh, Pep said after the like the rubbish start we had to the season, he just kind of went back to basics with the side and had the wingers kind of high and wide. Yeah, uh, and Mares is is perfect at that. I can't. What what are the, what are his stats in the? Have you got the stats in his Champions League stats? Does he not start much or something? Um, no, I just know it's it's two hundred eighty five minutes. I don't have it up in front of me. Oh, anymore, but I remember it's two hundred eighty five minutes in total. So right. how many games we played? But eight or something. So yeah. well, more ten. So it's, it's not yeah. a lot. It's kind of just kind of cameos in some of them, and then um, 
Not many starts yeah. as well amongst them. Well, he likes he likes he likes Raz in them sort of games in the Champions League. Yeah. Raz is normally quite good in the in the Champions League, and obviously Ferran Torres in the group stage couldn't stop scoring, so it was hard to drop him. So it was hard to see where he kind of fitted in, especially with Foden coming into the side as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't see that. I, I think he definitely starts this weekend. He's, he's seemingly a part of this kind of new sort of setup that Pep's got, where he's a, alongside like Edison Diaz. Rodri De Bruyne he's one of the kind of certain starters in the side at the moment in time um, he, he's I don't know if he's got international break as well so that could play a factor I don't know if he has to go away for international break I know the South American lads don't have to go now so yeah. I don't know if he has to go away that might play into it a bit but yeah I, I could see that Jan if you picked your strongest City team right now firstly would Mares be in that side and who would make up the rest of your front three yeah, I think right now you'd have to put him in there. Um, ooh, the front three. You know what? Sterling still has to go in there because, you know, as as frustrated as he can be, as we all know, um, he's still, the runs that he makes and the intelligence that yeah. he has, um, he creates so much. Um, so, yeah, it has to be him. I would probably go over false nine. Like, I prefer us. I feel like we're more likely to win when we have a false nine yeah, for I some reason. Yeah. And I, I do like Gabby, but I don't think he's a striker. <laughs> do you know, he doesn't make strikers decisions. So yeah, I think um, obviously on full form, it would be Aguero, but he's not in form. So yeah, I think I'd go over false nine. Um, De Bruyne works really well as a false nine, to be honest. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is, but when he when he sort of plays in that role against against Chelsea, it was really really good. Um, yeah, but I'd probably go with Foden in terms of my false nine. But yeah, anyone can play there really because we've got Bernardo, Foden, yeah. De Bruyne. Yeah, there's so many. Ferran Torres has been good there. So do you know what? I'm actually at the moment we've got such a good squad. Like. People might complain about the lineup, but really, it's not like we're swapping someone in that's nowhere near the quality. Everyone is just up there at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe they can sense that the titles come in and, you know, they all want to be a part of it. And maybe that's why. But yeah, it's just, um, it's just great at the moment. <laughs> but I'd probably, I'd probably go with Foden out of them, out of the options. <laughs> I, I, I'm not good for Sterling too. I'd go for Mares. I would go for De Bruyne in a false nine because I'm, it just fascinates me when he plays <laughs> that role because he's almost a false false nine. Yeah, you know, he really goes deep. He really goes all over the place, and um, and defenders don't have a clue what to do with him. So yeah. So would you have no Foden in there? Ah, I, I'm going to bottle out and say I'll put Foden in midfield instead. <laughs> so so that means you're dropping one of Bernardo or Gundogan. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll put Gundo <laughs> in the holding role. <laughs> so, so sorry to stick it on you like that, I'm but just, it just shows how much of an impossible thing is it? It's yeah. impossible well, to pick. Who would you go for your front three then, Harry? Um, oh god, I'd probably I'd probably go false nine as well, but I'd go with Mares, Raz, and Foden. Yeah, and then any one of them can kind of play in the false nine, can't they? They all kind of interchange. That's why um, I love seeing. Then, yeah. Yeah, and that, but then again, look, then 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 one of De Bruyne, Gundogan, and Bernardo misses out in midfield. It's just impossible to pick at this point <laughs> in time. Um, let's move away from City and, and look at the well, I suppose big game this weekend: um, Arsenal v Spurs, um, North London derby. 
Um, something what I, I wrote about this week, and it, it really does interest me. This um, the, the, the top six, the traditional top six, as it's sometimes called in the media. Um, yeah, and if neither club finishes inside the top six this season, which is a distinct possibility, mm-hmm. should a discussion be had this summer about whether Leicester should be considered one of the top six, and if so, which of kind of Arsenal, Spurs would drop out? Do you think? Do you know what we had a discussion about this on a on a podcast I did? Um, on YouTube and basically they were saying what are the traditional top six and, and exactly. basically the same thing like you know with Leicester and it's kind of like there's a lot of reasons why people say the top six it's people that finish there consistently you know win trophies whatever it is that people categorise the top six into I personally think there's only a top six because Man United dropped out of the top four that's why it became a top six <laughs> in the first place um, mm. And Tottenham have kind of in there. But really, if you think about it, if you look at Leicester and Tottenham, really, Leicester mm-hmm. should be in there over Tottenham because... they won the league. You know, they've yeah, they've won the league. They've consi- consistently finished in the top six. So, I don't know. I, I just don't think there's a real argument for Spurs, to be honest. It's... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's one of them things like even before we sort of had the takeover, we used to finish above Spurs sometimes. So, you know, I I just don't, I don't know how they've kind of snuck themselves in there, to be honest. Well, they were one of the original (laughs) big five, which basically just came down to their kind of glamour. Because back then, they'd win the uh, the FA Cup once every 10 years. They haven't won the league since 1961. So this has Mm. been going on. All my life, pretty much, where you think, well, why exactly are Spurs considered to be such a big club? Um, yeah. Harry, would you go along with that? Would you say that Arsenal really are top six? Spurs uh, debate could be had? I hate, I hate, I've never agreed to, with the concepts of the big six because basically it just creates a bubble around these teams yeah, like they're yeah. impenetrable. I'd probably liken it to kind of City and UEFA, you know, they, they don't like City and PSG breaking into Europe's elite and kind of doing everything possible to keep it that way, so... If we do that with a Prem, it becomes very, very boring because what I think is so great about this league is like the emergence of teams like Leicester, West Ham, because the unpredictability of, of the league is kind of what makes it so brilliant. But if you want to kind of have that debate, it depends what your class is as as being in the top six. Does it count as honours? Because Leicester haven't won any, uh, have won the Premier League and then Tottenham haven't. So does that put them above Tottenham? Leicester obviously won a, a Premier League more recently than than Arsenal as well. Yeah. Um. I, I I did have this debate the other day, and I did say that Leicester Leicester c- could possibly overtake one, but it depends who you take your pick at the moment because both Spurs and Arsenal are a bit <laughs> awful at the moment. They are. I mean, just going back to the kind of start of the Premier League, it's the big five. You know, they formed yeah. the Premier League supposedly. They sat around the table with the TV companies and all the rest of it. So it was big five turned into a big top four, and now it's the big six. So mm. we get to this stage now where people are going, oh, no, you can't mess around with this. This is sacrosanct. You know, the top six is the top six. Well, no, it's, it's already changed form three times. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it at all. Leicester, for me, are a top six club. Spurs, I kind of. Arsenal, are they in a season of, tra- of transition? Will they bounce back? It's, it's notable that last season, Arsenal and Spurs finished outside the top four for the first time since 1996. There's two ways of looking at that. You can say, well, that just shows that they are truly top six clubs because they're never out of the top four. Or you can say, mm, they're starting to, they've had their day. <laughs> um, 
Talking of which, um, what let's who should we look at first? Should we look at Arsenal under, uh, under Arteta? Um, Jan, what would represent a successful campaign for the Gunners this year? I mean, 10th at the moment, that's not good enough, is it? No, definitely not. I think the thing with Arsenal is, like you say, they, they always used to get top four. That's why they were always considered, you know, a top four club. Yeah. Um, obviously, in recent years, they've kind of fallen off a little bit. I think for them, um, they would have probably hoped to win the FA Cup because... Like the Carabao Cup, that seems to be their trophy. Yes. <laughs> you know, like the Carabao Cup for us. So, yeah, I think they would have liked to do that. I think now they probably need to win the Europa League, which I can't see happening. But I think if they don't do that, it's it's going to be another trophyless season. Finishing, maybe they can climb up the table a little bit when they've got nothing else to play for. But, yeah, I, I think... It's it's not going to be seen as a good season for them. No. I think obviously if Spurs finish below them or something like that, you know they'll they'll take that. But yeah, I don't really know what's going on with Arsenal to be honest because they're not as bad as their results are. If you know what I mean, like when yeah. you watch them, they're not that bad. I think Arteta's clearly got a plan. I don't think the players that he's got are good enough um, to kind of do what he wants to do. So yeah, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do because I, I found out the other day they've spent five hundred and sixty million or something like that. So you know it's not like they've they've got a cheap squad there. They've they've spent a lot of money and you know with with that you know people always say for City oh they've spent this much money they should be better. Well, if Arsenal spent that much, they should be better. So yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. You know what? I, I did a um, season. I did a better preview of this game uh, this week and Arsenal don't make sense. You're absolutely right. They just don't make sense. I mean, to give one example is I realised that they are now keeping far less clean sheets than, than they did. Um, so I thought, oh, great. Okay, that's one angle to explore. Oh, no, hang on a minute. Their defence has vastly improved. That doesn't make any sense. How can you yeah. start keeping far less clean sheets but tighten up at the back? So. Well, the, the simple explanation is that Arteta is being massively let down by his players. I mean, look at that Shaka mistake at the weekend yes. for Burnley's equaliser. <laughs> Christ. And again, last night, I think it was Leno that played it straight into their their, their lad's feet for him to score. He's getting the right. I really like him. He's the young manager. He's learning. But he's been massively let down by his players. Um, especially up front as well. You expect a Bamiang to be scoring 15, 20, 25 a season, and even he's not been firing this season. Lacazette, he signed Pepe for 70 million and he's not been doing anything. He's the only, he says a lot when the shining lights in that side are a young Bakaya Saka and yeah, Emil really, Smith Rowe. Yeah. Yeah, which bodes well for the future, but w- will that be a future under Arteta? Remains to be seen. Well, it depends if they've they've got they've got patience with him. And Arsenal historically have not got patience. Arsenal fans in particular have not got no. patience with managers. <laughs> I love Arsenal fans on Twitter. It's if I'm having a bad day, I'll just basically just you know search for them on Twitter. And, <laughs> it's one extreme to the other, isn't it? It's either yeah. they're the best team in the world or they're the worst team ever. <laughs> well, well it's, it's funny because someone actually said to me the other day, like. Arsenal, like he, because people always joke about Arsenal are back, and every time they like win, it's like Arsenal are back, and then they'll lose the next game. But it's like he he was saying to me, you'll see how bad Arsenal fans are, you know, if they if they become successful again, because you know now Twitter's around. Obviously, last time they won the league, Twitter wasn't there, so it wasn't as bad. But yeah, I think sometimes the way they go on after a win, 
when they're like still in 10th. You know, you see glimpses of what they would be like if they went and won the league or something. So, yeah, I think the fans, the fans are a big part of Arsenal as well, like in terms of the managers and stuff like that. So I think City fans would give him a chance, you know, if he was, if he was City's manager. But yeah, Arsenal fans there, half of them are kind of gunning for him already. And the other half are like, give him a season or two. But I think if he doesn't improve, you know, they'll want him out. I think even if Spurs finish above them, they won't be happy with that. It's a big thing for him, isn't it? I mean, they used to have that, was it St. Tottenham's Day or whatever it was when they, you know, <laughs> every year we finished above Tottenham and yeah. so they'd celebrate. So yeah. It just doesn't happen now. I mean, speaking of Spurs, what have you made of them this season, Harry? They're, uh, themselves, but they're um, a team of contradiction, aren't they? Uh, yeah, as you said, the team are so inconsistent. There's no surprise for me that the Spurs' dropping form has coincided with Kane's injury and Son's kind of dropping form. Yeah. Um, the re-emergence of Bale recently has kind of acted as a real catalyst for him to kick on. Um, but I still did say before, and that Mourinho simply didn't really give Bale enough time on the pitch to to find some sort of consistency, and now he is. He's sorting, showing some sort of quality that we know he had you know Gareth Bale hasn't lost his ability overnight on a golf course you know he's still a brilliant <laughs> footballer but it's it's a side who will not kick on if they don't acquire some quality squad depth there'll always be moments where they'd be great because they have world-class players but they'll never challenge you know like for example the Champions League run the Champions League run re- relied on moments of brilliance from Son from Kane, from Lucas in that Ajax game it's because they've got some world-class players there there will be moments where you think my god these lads could kick on but then when it comes to actually doing it over a 38-game season, they'll never do it until they get some proper, proper good squad depth. Yeah, that's a fair point. And um, Some stats about this the derby this weekend. Um, if, if you're a, 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 like a flutter, um, for me, it's going to be a score draw. Um, get this for mm. a stat, right? So they've played each other 57 times in the Premier League, Arsenal Spurs. An astonishing 40.3% of them have ended in draws. Whereas the Manchester derby is 15%. So it's over three times oh. more draws in the North London derby than in the Manchester derby. Um, and, you know, bear in mind, okay, I know in the early 90s there was a disparity between City and United, but, you know, so there's going to be less chance of draws But in recent times. Um, and also back back one of the strikers to score because Kane, Aubameyang, Lacazette and Son have contributed 61% of the goals in their last 10 encounters. Um, Kane has scored 11 in 13 in this fixture, Obama Yang 7 Jeez. in 10. So, yeah. Can I just say that putting a, a, a granite Xhaka booking in this game is the easiest money oh, you'll yes, ever absolutely. make in your life? But that'll be like 1 to 10 on, so it's not worth better. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, guys, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining me today, yeah? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Harry. Yeah, pleasure as always, mate. And thanks to everyone listening in as always. Um, that's a wrap for this week, folks. Here's the City extending their winning streak to two tomorrow. It just doesn't sound the same, does it? <laughs> and here's to you all having a lovely and rain-free weekend. In the meantime, though, take care, stay safe, everyone, and forever up the blues.